think we need to change the times that we do our podcast recordings. Okay. Because we are consistently doing them around the 10 o'clock hour, Mm -hmm. and your stomach and my stomach are growling like crazy. I think I I heard that, and I think that. Was um, it yours or mine? I think it was yours. I don't want to say it was mine. I don't. So what's funny but is I both of us. And say that you're still doing the intermittent fasting, aren't you? Yes, yes, I am. And so hungry what are, you, and what are your hours? Right when can you when can you eat? I eat lunch. Well, what time? Uh, around eleven thirty. So you'll eat from eleven thirty, and then what's the latest you can eat? I I switch off around two, and I'm done for the evening. Wait a minute, two o'clock p.m. is all. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you only eat from eleven thirty a.m. to two p.m. Yeah, I, and, and a lot of times I just eat lunch. Just just eat lunch, and that's it. Yeah. Wow. But I am, you know, people told me I can't do that. Mine is. People would tell me it's gonna get better. You're not gonna be hungry. But I am. That that was a lie. You sound hungry. I am. I'm hungry and mad all the time. Hangry. <laughs> <laughs> so is it working? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean, is it? Can't well, you look yeah. at me and tell you? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. Yeah, thank you. Let me say that different. That's better. Yeah. You, you've lost weight. How much yeah. weight have you lost? 34 pounds. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Pounds. Yeah. So, that's, I, so I, I made a uh, goal this year. I wanted to be able to find at least one or two of my apps this year. Okay. And so I, my buddy told me about this intermittent fasting thing. My schedule looks a little bit different than yours. Mine, uh, I'm 11 to 7. Okay, yeah. Okay. So 7 o'clock is as late as I can get. My goal is I just want to be able to see my feet. <laughs> so if when, I can get that. When's I'm, the last time you saw your feet, Bam Bam? I, do, I have some. <laughs> when I'm sitting down, that's about it, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Look. Well, we got we got a we got a podcast. We will yeah, get through this get, podcast. We will go eat lunch. We gotta get work. We gotta get. I'm work excited work. about this one. You ready? I am too. I'm ready. The sound of that tractor means it's time for us to go to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast, powered by Hoopai Grain and Company. I am Brandon. This is Bam Bam, and we are your hosts. Okay, this is a, this is an exciting episode for us. We got one of our own in the studio today, so I'm going to introduce you, if you don't mind, real quick. Our next guest is someone who doesn't just work in the world of construction. He lives it and breathes it. Russell Davis is one of our very own HGC and is joining us today to share his incredible journey in the industry. Russell's been a part of the HGC family for the past three and a half years, and right now he's the man in charge as general superintendent. But here's the kicker, folks. Construction is not just a job for Russell. It's practically in his DNA. Russell's family's been building the foundations of the construction world since before he was even born. With a whopping 20 years of experience under his belt, he's seen it all. Russell's journey with heavy machinery started with driving a dozer when he was just eight years old. So hold on to your hard hats because we're about to get some great insight from Russell Davis and maybe even learn a thing or two about what it's like to grow up with bulldozers as playmates. Russ, thanks for being in the uh, podcast with us today. Not a problem, man. Not a problem. This is a little different than your normal day-to-day. This is a lot different from my day-to-day. <laughs> a lot different. What would you tell the team when you when you left? What would you tell them you were going to do? I told them I was going to go do a podcast. <laughs> When it come out, none of them can make fun of me for it. So, 
Did they laugh at you? Very much so. Well, I'm sure they excited for you. There's going to be some you. jokes, too. Oh, I'm sure they're going to be excited for you, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, this is fun, man. I've been looking forward to this episode. I don't know. Do you know how you got here to the to the podcast? Yes, I do. How? Uh, we had a poll on Workplace that would for the best operator at Hoopall, and I got voted, got the most votes for it. That's exactly right. Yeah, we we uh, put you up there. We wanted to. This yeah. whole series has been about talking to the men and women that are out in the field that are making it happen, and um, and that was going to be a difficult thing for us to do is to pick somebody to come in and represent the best of the best, and so we put it out there, and that's how you ended up here. Well, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel good that my fellow employees think I'm the best operator at Hoopal. I'm not, but Glad they voted for me. I'll do a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Eight years old. That might be the earliest of any guests we've had in here. Uh, Tim Davis might be the only one. I think Tim Davis uh, fired his best friend in the sandbox one time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So he might he might have been a little bit before you. He beat me. He did. (laughs) He's been running equipment longer than I have. Well, Russ, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us about growing up in construction and, and your love for it at an early age. So, everyone, or just about every one of my uncles and my cousins has been in the dirt industry somehow or another. Landscape, uh, construction, grading, we've all, everybody's been in it. Uh, the first time I run a bulldozer, my dad was a farm manager at a farm, and they were clearing land, and the wind changed that night. They were burning brush piles. And we had to go over and move the bulldozers out of the way because the fire was blowing right to them. And it's dark, and none of this equipment had lights on it back then. He told me, he said, uh, it's a John Deere 850. He said, I'm going to idle it up, and I'm going to put it in gear for you, and you just walk it. (laughs) And we had to walk it up beside the brush pile, and that was the only light we had. And I had to jump off the seat to hit the steering brake to make it steer. And that was the first time I run a bulldozer, and it's been in my blood ever since. I've always been in the dirt somewhere. Um, when I was 15, I helped my uncle build a pond, and I, I really didn't do anything. I was just pushing a pan, but I was still out there. I was running a bulldozer before I could drive a car. He'd come pick me up in the mornings and take me to the job and take me home in the afternoon. And... uh then I got through with my high school career, and I tried college for a semester. And I come home, and I probably told my daddy I was going to go back to school, and I didn't. I went out to the field and started running a bulldozer, and that's where I've been ever since. So he See, might have been a little disappointed at me right then, but did he, 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 got over he ever find out you weren't going to school? Yeah. He did, because I was living with him. Yeah, <laughs> He figured it out. Can't pull the wool over her eyes all long, can you? No, not very long. <laughs> so you just loved it. You knew he, first time he put you in there and said, move the move the tractor, you just you loved it from that point on. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, always, I would go to work with him on the weekends and stuff, because, I mean, he'd run equipment too. And, uh, I'm a pretty big fella, so it ain't like I could ride on it with him or nothing. I just sit there and watched him um, and watched what he did and, you know, how he was doing stuff. And I tell guys all the time, that's how I learned everything, just by watching. So um, I guess it's born into you. you gotta 
You take what you can get. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And uh, that might be one of the most interesting stories we've ever heard about somebody getting into the industry. You were uh, you were literally thrown into the fire. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So where'd you go from there? Um, so when I got out of school, I went to work at uh, McGee Brothers with my dad and had an uncle there. And I believe one of my cousins was there. And that's where I started my great career uh professionally i guess i'd been in it off and on the whole time but uh started out running a 621 pan uh worst piece of equipment this ever built but i was 19 we were having fun you know it didn't matter ran it for a little bit and then wasn't long after that uh they put me on a 953 track loader grading pads uh, started grading pads with track loader and I worked at McGee Brothers for eight years just doing whatever needed to be done running a scraper, running a loader running a track hoe, you know whatever I needed to be on and uh, finished there and made it through the recession and everything at McGee Brothers and had a guy we were doing some work for that had a lot of work coming up he wanted to get out on his own and do his own work. So me and Daddy left and went to uh, Purcell Construction. And I've been at, I was at Purcell for seven years, I believe. And me and Daddy kind of started the grading division for them. And just a small operation. It wasn't nothing big. But, uh, really nice people to work for. Uh, but I was starting to get behind on technology. And uh, I wasn't retiring no time soon, so... Got to talking to Tim and Grayson, and Grayson really sold Hoopaw to me. So after I left for sale, I came over here, and I've been here ever since. That's great. So three and a half years, is that right? Yes, three and a half years. Pretty cool. Yeah, Grayson's pretty good. He's pretty good salesman on that. He got you, huh? He is, yeah. Was it everything you told you it would be? Oh, yes. I mean, I love working here. It's, I mean, the technology is amazing, and that's what I was going for because – like I say, if you get behind on this stuff, you're not – it's just like a computer. I mean – Had you had that before? No, sir. We so, hadn't – I mean, we were still great with grade stakes. Uh, how do you feel about that? As somebody that has been running equipment uh, as long as you have, how do you feel about what changes you're seeing on the technology side of it? I think it would help if they would have to grade with stakes for a little bit just to see – not rely on that GPS and stuff so much. Um because I can walk up to something and look at it, and I know, you know, depth-wise how deep. And you start losing your depth perception on how deep a cut is or if you're not reading a stake all the time. Um, a lot of times I tell the guys, you know, how wide's your bucket? How long's your bucket? How deep are your teeth? You know, use that stuff to judge how you need to – How if I tell you you need to cut two feet, now you know where two feet is. You're not just guessing. Um but it does make our job easier um, be able to pull the rover out and walk out there and stick it in the ground and tell you what exactly what it is. It's very helpful. That's good advice for us. So it's the way you look at it, it's probably the, that's the way we really need to treat this is that, yeah, it's a, it's a tool for us to be able to get better at what we do, but we can't rely on it completely. Right. We still need to know how it's done. Yep. And, I mean, it's, you know, like I say, it's a tool. So if something happens to that tool, you still need to be able to do your job. 
might not be precise, but get it really close. Um, so, yeah, and if you learn it the hard way, then that that GPS that's that's cake there. You know, if you learn it the hard way, and and let me ask you this: Did you think that that you know going from machine to machine for the first company there that that helped build you, didn't it? Oh, very much so. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a it was a learning experience on everything. And new piece of equipment comes out, I want to get on it. I want to yeah. I want to see if I can run it, you know. And I want to be good at it. There's there's not a machine I've ever got on that I didn't feel confident I could figure it out. Um, and that's a big part of why I can. I'm so diverse in equipment because I want to learn. I want to know it, but um, also. You don't need to get too far ahead of yourself. You know, learn one piece at a time, get proficient at it, and then move on to the next there one. There you go. Um, yep. And that's a big thing, too. you you got to be good at one before you move to the next one. So if they drop something off new on site, Russell's going to be in. You're going to have to get Russell out of the driver's seat for you. Oh, Russell's going to try. <laughs> I can't teach him how to run if I don't know how to run there it. There you so, go. That's right. Um Russ, it's cool listening to you talk about this because as I hear you talk about it, it's one thing to be a great operator, but it's another thing to to be able to teach people how to do this. And you've had to you've had to move into that role, a general superintendent role. For those of you who don't know, here at Hoopa, it's a, it's a pretty significant leadership position here, and so you've got a lot of men and women that are out there that depend on you. Um, how has that been as going from somebody that just knows how to get the work done and how to operate the equipment to now being in a position where you got to, you got to slow down and teach somebody how to do it. Well, I've, I've had, I've, I've been at one job since I've been a general super and I've had, I've had some good operators and I, uh, I have another superintendent down there with me. He's helped me out a lot and stuff too. And, uh, like I tell everybody, I can't do this by myself. I, I cannot run every piece of equipment. So the better you are, the better it makes me and better makes us as a whole. Uh, you're not always going to be working for me. So the better I can train you, the next job you go to, the better you'll be. Um, and that's, it's, I've always liked training people. I've always liked, you know, helping them move along. Um, basically because it really makes my job easier if they know what they're doing exactly. So, it helps out a lot doing that. It's different, though. It is different. It is. Um, General Super has – it's a lot more paperwork and a lot more management. Um, I was going to ask you, what are the parts of that role that that frustrate you? There's not really any frustrating roles about it. Um, I've, I've sort of always been – what we classify as a general super, I've kind of always been like that where I want to know what's going on on the job all the time. I want to know what's coming up. You know, I'm always looking ahead. Uh, so it's not really a frustrating – there's nothing really frustrating about it. It's just a different title to me. Uh, and like I say, it's just – You were doing it already. I was already doing it, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit more paperwork and stuff that gives us involved with it, but um, that's really the only difference to me. Yeah. Um, so, well, evidently you're doing it well because the team here uh, had a lot of respect for you. It was overwhelming uh, when we put the poll out <laughs> that we were going to be talking to you here in the podcast. Let me ask you, what's your favorite piece of equipment to operate? I know this one. You know the answer? I think I do. 
if I have to run it for a short term, I mean, just a little bit, I like the 637s. I mean, they're fun. Yeah, but you don't. They're exciting. Yeah. But I'm getting, that's a young man's, young man's piece of equipment. Um, it will beat you. It beats you up. Yep. Uh, there's, there's not a whole lot you can change about it. There, we had the cat rep out uh, last week, and he told us like the cushion gooseneck and everything on that scraper is the same as it's been since 1960. Sometime, so yeah, still gonna rock your world if you ain't careful with it. But I enjoy running a scraper for short periods of time. And can you can you explain uh, for those who may not, who may be uh, listening or watching that don't know what that 637? Can you? Explain that to them. Are you so, talking uh, about me, man, man? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sitting absolutely right not. here, man. Uh, absolutely not. All right, good. So a 637 is a uh, what we call a double-barrel scraper. It's a dual-engine uh, scraper is the definition of it. Um has one engine in the front to pull the front, and then it has a, a bowl uh, that picks the dirt up. And then at the back of that bowl is a, another engine that runs the rear wheels and stuff. When you're in the cab, you do have two accelerator pedals. Um, you have to learn how to roll your foot to run both pedals at the same time. Um, but it's a very long piece of machinery, and it's very heavy, and it bounces a lot. <laughs> um, like I say, it will beat your brains out if you're not careful. But yeah, she will go too. Won't it she? will. Yes, yes they sir. are made to run wide open yep. all the time, um, and that's the way they move dirt. Yep. So, if you slow down, you don't pick up the dirt. You don't. <laughs> it does, it does, all that's got to come into play, right, Russell? For for it to work efficiently as it can, all that's efficient for a scraper to be as efficient as possible. It has to be run as fast as you can possibly run it. It's probably not the safest thing to say, but I mean that's just the but way they're designed yeah. to run. And that doesn't work with every job site that we have either. That's, you can't. No, no, no. There, there's a speed limit out there, but it, it, you you got to move dirt. So, you know, yeah. Well, we've had to slow them down out there a little bit. This yeah. is because um, the trucks can't run what the scrapers can. But yeah. um, it's working out. We're being efficient with them. So it just takes a little time. You've been on all kind of different sites. What What kind of sites are your favorite? I've had a really good time at this quarry. Uh, the people we're working for are very easy to work with. And I say uh, you say their name, Luckstone. Uh, yeah. Luckstone's been very easy to work with. And, yep. Uh, but it's a big site, and it takes a lot of management to keep it all running. We had to move three hundred fifty thousand yards, almost a mile one way. Um, so that was very interesting. Uh, I've never built a rock quarry, uh, so that's why I think this one's intrigued me the most. You ain't gonna be able to say that. In a- in, in in a few months, are you? <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you've done a great job. It sounds like that one's been a, a good project, and uh, I think uh, I think they've been really happy with it. So, well, like I said, but you've way. enjoyed being down there. Yes, yeah, yeah. I enjoy it. It's, uh, what do you enjoy about the quarry? Well, it's the South Office. That's what we call it. That's what we started calling it. South Hoopall South Office. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're about an hour. Away. Yeah, yeah. An hour away. Um, yeah, like I said, just different challenges. Uh, we had a lot of undulation on the job when we started. Um, and our first big thing was got to get rock exposed, got to get rock exposed. And we got exposed, got the 
plant pad ready, seeing the plant come in, coming together. Uh, we're actually crushing rock now. Um, had three creek crossings, undisturbed creek crossings had to go in, so that was a challenge. Um, I just like a different challenge, you know, not the same thing over and over again, but just having different challenges on one job has been um, really nice or intriguing, I guess. Um, the mile-long haul, that's probably the longest haul I've ever had in my career. Yeah. And it took a lot of equipment to make that haul. We had 10 trucks and six scrapers run at one time, so keeping that all fluid has been was a challenge. But you, that sounds like something. That's part of the appeal for you is that, all right, Show me this job site. Show me what I've got in front of me. And let me figure out how to do this most efficiently and productive. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it, you know, every job has their challenges. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I look at it. All right. What challenges are we going to have? Is, is this going to be easy? No job's easy. You know, so what's our biggest challenge? What's our biggest hurdle? Um, at Luckstone, it was time like deadlines. Um, and, Working under MSHA guidelines. That's MSHA guidelines. Yeah. yeah, we had to run run Those. under MSHA guidelines, and um, that mile long haul was another challenge. It was we knew we were going to have, but we could not do the mile long haul until we had all our creek crossings in. Uh, so the shop team and everybody, we had to make temporary bridges to go over these crossings that would handle the equipment that we were going to be running because we weren't going to have the crossings in time the actual permanent crossings in in time before we needed to start moving that dirt. Um, so the shop team come up and built some MSHA certified bridges and got yeah, those put in. had to involve uh, the federal agency, MSHA, uh, in the design of the bridge to make sure that, that they were – that it was approved by them before we could before yeah. we could actually put them together. So you had to draw it up. Submitted to them. I, we got it submitted to them. They approved it, and then the shop built it and hauled it out there and put it together. And you know, it, was, it took everybody to do that. Safety, Russell, engineering, every, everybody jumped in there. Project management. Yeah, that was definitely a team effort. Team effort. Yes. Yep. That's pretty cool, though, to know that your job every day is going to look different. Every day. You enjoy that part of the gig? I do. Now, there was a spell down there where things wasn't changing real fast. Um, but just because of the amount of material we had to move, but in the past two or three months, you can see things changing on the daily um, down there, and it's, it's, it's wild. Of all the projects you've been on, what's the craziest story that you've ever? You got any crazy stories from the field, Russ? You ever We're not like, crazy? I mean, uh, we were going to do the most interesting thing was um, we had a job in Harrisburg, and this guy pulls up on the job, and you know, I pull over. How you doing? Told me his name and everything. He said, "You know, this property used to be owned by what do you call him? That's the the rail mat or." Uh, I think it was the rail masters or they were over the depot, a depot master maybe is what they were for the town of Harrisburg. And then, okay. He said, I think the old mail hook for the station is out here in the woods somewhere. 
do you mind if I look around? I said, well, no, I don't really want you looking around while we're working, you know, but uh, I can walk over with you right quick. You want to see? And we walked over there in the edge of the woods. Sure enough, was the old U.S. mail hook for the town of Harrisburg uh, train station. I said, wow. completely together. Um, and he talked to some people and, um, we loaded it on the trailer for him. He was going to put it somewhere in some museum or something, I thought, or something somewhere there. Um, but it was pretty cool on the, I had never seen a mail hook before. That's before my time. What is a mail hook? That's that's where they, they would drive by and and get the mail off of the the hanging in a bag. Is it a bag? The mail was hanging, the outgoing mail would be hanging on this hook and when the train come by the mailman would throw the mail that was supposed to be for town or Harrisburg he would throw that mail out and then the hook would come along and grab the bag so the train never had to stop Uh, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool just because I knew what that was I just want to let everybody know that I am not that much older than Brandon Rusty used to he that was his job before we hired him. He used to do he used to <laughs> operated the operated mail hook. Operated the mail hook. Yeah. Is that the craziest thing you've ever found on a job site? We were gonna do an episode about craziest job site discoveries, and we still will. We've got a few of them that we're just trying to compile a bunch of them, but Yeah, I mean I you know, we talk about it at family function all the time. How many gold nuggets have we dug up as a family, you know? Um yep. A lot of people ask, you ever found any airheads? No, I've not really looked for them. Um, there's nothing other than like um, uh, profiles of the dirt and stuff. Uh, that's pretty wild. Sometimes you get in a deep cut. I had a strip almost beach sand about two foot wide in a job one time. I mean, it was about pure beach sand, but it was in red dirt. I have no idea how that I got a, there. That was a... Uh, volleyball court yeah probably I'm sure it was yeah. dinosaur volleyball court. yeah yeah because yeah. it was about 20 feet in the ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i've um i've had a stolen car on the job for um nothing nothing really sticks out to me that was just crazy yeah. you know um i'm sure there's stuff i forgot about that has happened but yeah, you've been uh, doing this so long, you forgot a lot of these yeah, stories. I mean, we found we found a bunch of old whales before, hand dug whales. Uh, they just be walking along out there, and there's a hole in the ground. It'd be a fifty foot deep hole. It's got rocks stacked all the way around it. But you know, somebody crawled down in there and dug, and dug that, that and stacked all those rock in there at one time or another. Um, but yeah, like I say, I've probably forgot a bunch of good stuff. But Russ, let me ask you this: so. Um, I mean, you've been you were voted in by the people, right? I, yeah, like, yeah, you you were representing yeah. the men and women out there in the field right now. What? Well, first, do they listen to this podcast? Yeah, they listen to it. Yeah. What do they say about this thing? They say this is crazy that we kind Brandon, of. Brandon, I think you've done a good job. Now I don't know about your co-host here. He's still <laughs> he's still out to see. I mean, well, well, he was not voted in by the people. Seat. Okay, he just showed up one day. And I wasn't going to tell him to leave. You scared of him? Yeah, a little it's bit. Okay. A little bit. That's what happens when you don't lock the door. Yeah. Anybody can come <laughs> in. <laughs> well, you know, and we've, we've had a lot of guests on here. We've had some amazing guests on here, business owners, business leaders, people that have built businesses from ground up. But um, 
we had a lot of requests. People wanted to hear from the men and women that were out in the field, and and I think that's important because uh, that's where it gets done. Yeah. Right. That's that's. Is there, in your opinion, what? And I'm not just talking about hoopod. Talk about the industry in general. Is there a disconnect uh, from the office to the field? Do you feel that? What are what are the men and women out there in the field feeling? What are they? What are they up? What are they worried about? What are they? Um, just talk I, to I, us. I, Be I the think, voice. I think most of the time it's just uh, you need. Well, like I've had to explain some things to you know before. Well, this is why we have to do this because they're not. They're looking at their job. They're not looking at the whole picture. And if you explain the whole picture to them, it's oh okay, yeah, that makes sense now. You know, um, I don't think it's really a disconnect. It's just a big world or full picture. You know, looking at the whole thing, not not just your job. Your job is not the only one that matters. Everybody has a job. Um, and everybody has to do their job to make everything work correctly. So sometimes that just needs to be explained to them, and uh, they just nobody's ever done that or didn't understand it, or you know. So, Russ, there is so much gold in what you just said right there. Like if, if if we could get every leader out there to do exactly what you just said, we wouldn't have any issues. People. They, they don't have to know every detail. They don't have to know everything about what's going on, but they need to know the what and the why. Yep. Yep. Like, what are we doing, and how does, how does my role in this uh, help us get there? Well, just, uh, just for an example, um, you know, we have a couple new rollers that have GPS on them. Why does a roller need GPS? <laughs> I mean, you know, and I got that question. It was, hey, guys, all right, this is why. We need to have GPS on these rollers. Yeah, there's somebody coming testing all the time for us, but they're going to say, well, we tested here and over there on another side or another side of it. Well, we don't know that we didn't test there. Well, now we can pull out this log and be like, yeah, right here is where we tested. And, you know, that saved, that could save us in the long term a lot of money. Uh, and just explain it to them like that, then they're like, oh, well, that does make sense now, you know, so. I think it's just the explanation thing where, you know, they're not looking at dollars and cents down the road. They're looking at right now. Well, well you know, that don't make any sense. Right. And I, I, I think that's a quality that, that, you know, taking the time out to explain them, not just pushing them out of the way going, well, we got them, so deal with them, yep. you know, and, and letting them know the why. I think that's a, a you know, a quality of a great leader out yeah. there in the field to, to let them know why. They deserve to know that. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Russ, you've done a lot over your career. You got something that you're most proud of? Is there one one job or any? You don't, I, you don't have to say me. No, it's okay. definitely not. No. Okay. Uh-uh. I think so. um, what do people think when Bam Bam shows up on the job site? I can't say that on the air right now. It's, uh, you got a bleep button? <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. We do, actually. We've never had to use it, but got, we can start. If you want to know button. what they say when Bam Bam pulls up, I can. You're going to have to use the bleep button. <laughs> we got to work on making you a little bit more. Presentable. No, just approachable. I am approachable. I know he's you are. He's a big teddy yeah. bear. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Um, as, as far as – I've done a lot of subdivisions. Uh, going back and seeing those subdivisions after they're built out, I mean, I enjoy that. Make sure the road's not all busted up. Make sure I did my job and everything. Uh, 
this rock quarry has been really, you know, that will be a highlight of my career, I believe. Um, I mean, they're, they're just, there's countless ones you can ride by and, you know, you see the memes and everything of trades people riding by. Oh, I worked there, you know. Well, I built that subdivision, you know. I did all this work out here. And, uh, that gives me a lot of be able to ride through and be able to tell. I Maybe mean, not just say it to somebody, but just ride by and be like, yeah, I did do that. I built that. You know? I guess one of the coolest things about our industry is the pride that comes with knowing that you had a part in something, that you drive by and see it out there, and yep. you see it go from nothing to something. Yep. And knowing that you did that, and you've got that forever. Yep. And like I say, I mean, I don't remember everything I've done, and, I, you know, everything. Um, I did do a lot. We did do, me and uh, my dad and a couple others, during the recession, we did a lot of erosion work. Um, what, what happened during the recession was the developer would go broke, and the bank would take it back. Well, then these municipalities figured out, well, we'll just start sending the fines to the bank because the bank can't say they don't have no money. And so we got in uh, with a guy that was, the bank was contacting this guy, and we would go out and do all this work uh, to get everything back into compliance. Uh, so the bank would quit receiving fines. Going around and doing that was a very humbling experience because you could see where people had cut corners and where this you know, this wasn't going to work, and there was no way it was going to work, but you had to go back in there and figure out how to make it work. Um, that was that was very interesting work uh, to do. Um, just you weren't even looking for no grades. You were just trying to make it not wash away. Um, so I enjoyed doing that for the – I think we did that for nine or ten months, but that's about all I wanted of it because – that was it, enough. <laughs> oh, it gets it gets very time consuming, and you know, ordering rock and stuff, and uh, it just gets nerve wracking after a while trying to fix everybody's screw up. But, but that was uncovering. It was just what are we going to uncover on the next turn, type of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. and uh, we did a we did a job one time. The pipes were laid backwards in the ponds, mm. and so they filled up with mud, and then uh, we had. I think seven foot of silt sitting in this pond we had to get out uh and seven i mean i'm talking sloppy silt that takes time to get that all out and then you got to get reshaped and you're working with the weather because you're working in a pond and like i say it just it just took some time to do but it was very like i say it was very interesting work for the time we did it but yeah about had enough of it when we stopped doing it so <laughs> That was that was good. You was good on that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel, fulfilled that mission. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to something else. Russ, what are you what are you excited about? What keeps you coming back? Uh, you just never know what you're going to run into. I mean, it's just a. Uh, I ain't never built a rock quarry before, and I built a rock quarry. Just the change. I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do next. You never know. I mean, uh, you never know what you're going to run into next. Uh, your challenges change every day. Um, challenges with, you know, your job and challenges with equipment and challenges with operators. I mean, your challenge changes every day. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's what keeps coming back. What, what's going to be next, you know? So you've seen, uh, you've seen this company, um, invest a lot into training and development. Um, and now we're seeing, we're seeing that across 
the country, we're seeing a lot of companies that are really starting to uh, do some cool things in the space of training and development. Has that, how has that helped you personally? Well, I, I think because, you know, when I was coming up, I could go to work with my dad and I could go, you know, uh, I could watch what he did, you know, um, well, we can't do that now. Um, times have changed, you know, you know, uh, insurance policies and everything. You, you can't do that anymore. So I think the training is sort of helping sort of what I learned over time is we're trying to get that to them now. Um, it's a good thing. I mean, I wish I had some of it. You know, I, I had learned the hard way. I went to school hard knocks, you know. Uh, I worked with my dad a lot. And I was just supposed to know most of the time, but um, helping them learn that because they didn't learn it over time is, is should help them out a lot. But has it helped you? What's, uh, yeah, what areas has it, have you learn. seen? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know everything by any means, and I will tell you that. I, I, I can always learn something new. I'm always open for new ideas. <clears throat> um, tell my operators, you know, how do you want to do this? Challenge them with what can they – what way would you do this? And then if that's not exactly how we want to do it, if it gets the job done – We'll do it that way. If it's not going to be safe or we need to change it a little bit, this is why we're going to change it. Yeah. Explaining why you make the decisions you do will help them in the long run is teaching them too. But um, all this IMSHA stuff, I had no clue about IMSHA yeah. until Bam Bam over told me it was all written in blood and scared us and everything. So they're serious uh, yeah he's serious he's serious about that yeah <laughs> got I think, all kind of war stories for him too <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think it's cool to see you know someone like yourself it makes sense right you've been doing this since you're eight years old but and and so the training for someone like you looks different it you know you you know how to run the equipment but you know giving you some tools to be able to lead teams and 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 communicate with people that didn't grow up on a farm right. that weren't running uh, equipment at eight some of these people have never been in a piece of heavy equipment and i think it's cool that the industry has now figured out how to teach someone the trade how to teach them how to do the job right and we're, and we're still learning how to how to teach them too i mean doesn't everybody nobody learns the same so some people learn at a faster pace than others i mean you may be able to show something one one person one time and then they'll be good with it forever. But you, you know, you might have to show somebody a couple of times or some people might not just get it. Some, you know, I mean, some people ain't made to be in this industry. So, um, but learning how to teach people how to do what we do works and we just need to keep evolving that, that learning process. Can you spot an operator really quick? Can you look at somebody and watch them and say in just a couple minutes say that? That person's gonna be good yeah most of the time i mean not all the time um i give them some chances and see how they're gonna take off but yeah, yeah you can most of the time you can tell what how good they're gonna be or you know where they're gonna be or I mean, some some operators are they're good at what they do and that's what they want to do so that's all they're going to be and I, they're fine with that right you know and then some of them you can tell to ask questions. You know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Most of the time, they're going to be they're going to be pretty decent. Um, 
See there, Bam Bam. He gave he gives people chances. Absolutely. Y'all kicked me off the simulator the first time I got on it. We were just trying to keep it operating so that other folks could uh, <laughs> enjoy the simulator as well. Oh, it's okay, Brandon. It happens. <laughs> some people are made for it. Some people are I said, some people are just good at podcasts. You know, you know, that's it. You know that's the, it. Well, I, I tell you, you know, the, one of the things out that, that, I, that I like about Russell is his is leadership out there in the field. Uh, it, it's kind of a no-frills it is what it is, and it ain't what it ain't kind of a leadership. You know, uh, he has a good morning meeting for his folks. Um, he, you know, make sure everybody's clear on what is to take place today and what their part in that is. And, 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 and that's, you know, we all need that in the mornings. We need that kick in the tail in the mornings to get us started. Russell's more than willing to give the kick in the tail <laughs> in the morning to get them started. Um, well, you're setting the tone for the whole day yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, you just sort of go over what you did the day before um, and just remind everybody, you know, this is what we're doing. And um, they love, I got a saying down there. I love this one. If you think it's stupid, it probably is. Okay? <laughs> That's the last thing they get told most mornings. Yeah. And it's not calling anybody stupid. It's just if you think it's stupid, it probably is. Stop. Let's <laughs> think about it. don't do it. Hey, there's the name of this episode. Right <laughs> I'm here. telling you, Bo. That's, <laughs> that's one it of right the greatest there. lines in a safety. Did you get that, Caroline? If you think it's stupid, it probably is. Yep. Yep. That one's going to stick. I like I mean, that. And it's nothing special. It's just think before you do. Yeah. Um, yep. If it's something a little bit out of the ordinary, and you're like, wait a minute. I don't know about this. Call somebody on the radio. Um, WWRD. What would Russell do? <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, I say we try to keep it simple. I mean, there's nothing. We're moving dirt. Um, Dan Purcell told me one time, he said, we're just out here moving dirt. We're not trying to land a space shuttle. You know, and as he's got a point. We're moving dirt. Uh, if you mess it up, we can fix it. As long as we know we messed it up, we can fix it. Catch it in time, I guess. You have to say, but uh, it's probably a pretty good saying. I he he ever said, "We ain't trying to land space shuttle out here." Moving dirt. Yep, just moving dirt. You know, and that's where that's where it's at. And we never we never lose sight of that. You know, we've got this thing. We've got all the training. We got these all these different initiatives that we're doing and um, different aspects of the business. But at the end of the day, none of this exists until that load of dirt gets moved. And the men and women that are out there doing that each and every day that are in the hot, I, golly, I can't tell you how much I've thought about you guys this week. And just, I mean, it's, it's been hot mm-hmm. this week, but that's where it's at. And making sure that all this sport, all of this stuff doesn't get in the way of what you're trying to do out there, that it's just a tool for you to do it. And it's support. That's the only reason we exist. That's the only reason I have jobs to make sure you, Russ, have everything you need to be successful out there. Um, and so I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. I know your team appreciates you because they wanted you to come in and tell your story. Yep. Uh, but we appreciate what you do for this company and for this industry each and every day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, and I can't do it without them. Uh, so, like I said, and one of the leadership things that I I keen on is. Um, 
if they're not doing it the exact way you think it needs to be done, but they're still being productive, let them do it. Because you're probably, you stopping them and changing it is, you're going to lose production changing it. Just if they're doing it, get it, you know. Just because you think it needs to be done this way, if it's getting done that way, let it go. Um, You've been going for two hours now. What do you think they're doing? They're they're doing fine. They're over at Bass Pro Shop right now. Pizza party. Pizza party. We don't have nothing out there. (laughs) That's that's the only good thing you can say. You're far enough. I mean, I've. You don't go to the um, Waffle House. You ain't. John, Jonathan's down there. My super needs down there running the job. Um, most days it's real easy because we're doing the same thing every day. Um, and Rusty was talking about the morning meetings. That's pretty much how our morning meeting goes. All right, we're doing the same thing we did yesterday. If something changes, uh, pull the operator to the side and say, hey, I need you to do this today. Um, yeah. And uh, basically, I mean, I – I feel confident in them running themselves that they had to. That's Might another get a little sign. slack here and there, but as you know, as a team, there's some out there that would, you know, pick up slack and um, get them to get on back to work. You know, but uh, well, that's another sign of great leadership, Russ. That you can leave and know that the job's going to be okay. Yeah, it would be an issue if you didn't have time to step away from the job because it would fall apart. Yeah, no, I mean, like I say, they they did do a good job, and as a you have to let them understand that you feel confident enough for them to do the job without you there. Now, you, you're there to guide them. You know, you're not there to just hound down their throat all the time about how they're not doing it right or, you know, this, hey, let's try it this way or we need to move over here and do this. You know, they concentrate on their task while you're watching or planning for the next task they're going to do when they finish that task. So. Well, let's, let's pretend that they're listening to you right now on this podcast. You got anything you want to say to your team? Absolutely. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, they've, they've done a good job. And we've got Get back ch- to it. Well, we've had some challenges. I'll be there in an Hurry hour. Up. Yeah. Hurry up. Let's go. Um, yeah. Quit radio chatter. Uh, or get off my radio. I tell, them, I tell them that sometimes. But, no, they've done a great job. I'm um, – Really proud of them for what they've done down there. Everybody has a hole down there. It's just been – it's went just about as smooth as I think it could go. Um, well, last question for you. How do you, you – you said something right there. How do you balance hurry up and get it done right and safe? How do you do that? You push, but don't push too hard. Um, you have to work as a team. So uh, you – I mean, you have to know where you can push and where you can't push. I mean, we have a lot of activity going on on the job right now uh, with Luckstone running their loaders and their haul trucks, and so there's no need for us to be running as fast as we need to run. We've got everything done to get them open uh, on our end. So not Cadillac. We're not in Cadillac mode. We need to get the dirt mode, but we need to do it at a safe speed with as many people as we got moving around. So you just have to. It's just a balancing act. Yes, a balance act. Sweet you, spot. I mean, you, yep. yep. You've got to find that sweet spot and roll and you in can't, that. I mean, you can't push. You know, we got some operators that are faster than others, but we need to get that happy medium, you know. Yep. Um, like I say, it's just a 
It's a lot of variables to have to deal with out there on the job. And, you know, the variables of the job site itself combined with the, the variables of the different skill levels between the team members that you have out there, yeah, the conditions and everything else. It is a it's a it's a balancing act. Mm, and it just not just down there. I mean, I've I've done jobs before where all right, guys, we got to slow down. You got to slow down. You're making too much dust. Water truck's not going to be here it's not for an safe. hour or so. Well, we got to get – well, if we get shut down because of dust, then we've lost all this time. Yep. Uh, the same thing with um, turning over a truck. Turn the truck bed over. Well, that's three hours that truck's down. How many loads did you make to make up for that truck being down for three hours? Yeah. All right? So let's slow it down a little bit. Not to mention you could get hurt. Somebody yeah, else could I get mean, hurt. Yeah. And I mean, damage, it's damage, yeah. to the, damage to the vehicle or somebody get hurt, you know, um, so let's just slow it down, take your time, yep. stay steady at it all day. It's basically how you balance it. That's true. And, and the other part, too, I mean, think about the cost associated with being down that long. You've wasted, you've, you've spent way more than you would have made getting an extra load. Yeah, and that, that, that's part of the balance, too. you got to understand uh, that you're, just because you're going fast, you're, I mean, realistically, you may get five or six more loads a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a realistic world, and five or six load of dirt is not worth the it's risk. Not worth the risk. You, I mean, you it's drop, not. You flip that truck bed. You you gonna miss out on ten or twelve loads of dirt while they trying a to minimum. get. Yeah, I mean that's a minimum, and you're gonna congest up everything else. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you know, you're probably gonna be in the haul road. We're gonna have to readjust the haul road. Uh, you know, it's just a dust aspect. You get dusty, they're going to shut you down. The whole job will be shut down until somebody gets out there and puts water down. Yeah. Um, yep. So. Well, Russ, you now have to add podcast celebrity to your to your uh list of accomplishments and it it has been a lot of fun having you in here today and uh I love hearing your story. I love hearing your passion for what you do. I mean, it's it's fun. I still enjoy it. Uh, it gets a little stressful some days, but I mean, I still enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, I appreciate y'all having me in here. You got it. You got it. Well, we'll let you go. We know you're itching to get back to the job site right now. But Russ, <laughs> thank you for coming in today yeah. and being a guest on the Give Us the Dirt podcast. Yeah, All right, thank, thank you, y'all. Thank you, thank buddy. You. Thank you for digging in with us on this episode of Give Us the Dirt, powered by HGC. If you liked what you heard, make sure you leave us a rating and a review and subscribe now on our Apple, Spotify, or YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. To share feedback or suggest our next guest, visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com.